Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, this is our Patreon episode, so we're doing an interview um, to have all the lot. This week we're bringing on uh, Jessica Luther, uh, author of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, College Football and the Politics of Rape, and also uh, Loving Sports when they don't love you back, dilemmas of a modern sports fan. Uh, Jessica, I've said this off air before we started recording, but I want to say it now and for all the patrons, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, jump on here with us. And um, I don't know, just answering a a DM from a small person to uh, talk about very large issues. (laughs) No problem. I I feel like a small person, so I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Small person to small person is what we do. Yeah. So the thing that made me... uh, that made me really think, hey, I want to reach out to Jessica to see if to see if we could bring you on to kind of talk to you was, you know, Hugh Freeze uh, being hired from Liberty to Auburn um, and the kind of hypocrisy that kind of goes along with that. Uh, sure. Now, myself personally had to do that exact same type of gymna- mental gymnastics when um, uh, Brent Venables hired uh, Jeff Levy to come on beat offensive coordinator when he was very much so at Baylor, very much so um, having non-compliant did not report things i'm trying to paint it in the best size i can my hope for him was that he would be a very great offense coordinator and then might be hired away in two years <laughs> so we don't have to worry about it anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but still that's not enough doing it on my side of things in my and you know in, in in my opinion as well uh so i guess i'll just try to give you a little runway here why is college football and maybe college sports as a whole unable to tie unable to untangle itself from these types of hires and from these types of activities for these men and people who are supposed to be leading these young these young kids basically yeah i i think that's such a good point that these are i always point out despite how much they're getting paid and how powerful they are on campus in theory they're educators yes like that's like the theoretical position that they've taken um and one thing I always point out about the coaches is they're like really happy to take credit when things are good and not so much when things are bad. Uh, so when they've got players who are quote unquote good guys, you know, that's from coaching, they've been coached up that way. And then as soon as one of their players is reported for doing harm to someone, it's like, he's a bad apple. He has nothing to do with us. Um, has something to do with my coaching yeah. or the culture on my team. Like it, it, it only works in one direction. Uh, why does it keep happening? I mean, you know, I think this is such a hard thing because 
we just live in a culture that doesn't really care that much about gendered violence and mm -hmm. the people who are harmed by gendered violence. This is a pretty ubiquitous um, thing yeah. <laughs> uh, for especially for women to experience. That's why it's called gendered violence. Uh, it often happens at the hands of men. And I think so in most places, as we've experienced, like it is interesting to me as someone who has been reporting on this since pre Me Too, like where we are now with the discussion because we've had Me Too. Uh, we obviously have seen it in so many areas that are not just sports. But I think on some level, there's some simplicity to sport, um, kind of like what you said with, you know, Jeff Levy. Is that right? Um, coming yes. from Baylor. I've only read the name. I don't think about saying the name. Um, that uh there's a simplicity in sports where it's just about winning like there you can really boil it down like is this person good at getting us to our ultimate goal which is to win um yes or no and then if you can answer that with a yes then it's kind of like you can make all your decisions simply based on that um it's a you know there you don't have to do a lot of work there to justify it in that way and so you know, I also just think it's a male dominated space. It's a mass, you know, toxic masculinity. Um, when Donald Trump got in trouble, I guess, quote unquote, got in trouble for his comments on that bus with Billy Bush before he was elected back in 2016, you know, he called it locker, locker room culture as like yeah. the excuse for why it was okay that he basically admitted to sexual assault. And there's a reason he thought that would keep him safe because we as a society have like said that that is locker room culture and we are fine with it. Um, whether or not that's true, right? Like there, I'm sure there are a ton of athletes who would push back on that and be correct. That's not actually the locker room culture, but there is a way that he knew that that shorthand would help him avoid the scrutiny that he absolutely deserved. Um, and so it's kind of like all of that at once i feel like i'm wandering but I, no, yeah, yeah it's kind no, of that no. mixture of things yeah i mean it, it obviously is i mean fr from a male perspective i mean obviously the gender violence is like what 99.99999 percent coming from a man uh you know uh, doing violence to a woman there's just there's no way around of there's no way to walk around that and then there's sort of way it's not it's there's not as much equality uh when it comes to that now maybe there's equality of opportunity maybe slightly uh but even then, there's so many men, men are much generally in much more positions of power across the board, across all facets of society uh, to where that can be abused. And as you've done this stuff and written about these things and reported on this stuff, do these do our colleges? And this is a very simple question that you probably mm -hmm. have a very simple answer for potentially <laughs> Do our colleges being state run, not our private, you know, I, I get maybe the private colleges are a little bit can you know do some other stuff but being like state run and state funded i know the athletics are at times kind of separated from that apparatus but is there not a heavier burden on our academic institutions even though it's sports to vet these people and say the things how they vetted them you know with it with a certain amount of transparency i know joe castiglione uh, he said we did amazing vetting on, on jeff levy and it's like they well, always what did say you it do exactly they literally <laughs> say it every uh, time and they they wouldn't necessarily say what he did, or and they will never Freeze, say what they did. Yes, yeah, Hugh Freeze never said what, why, what were the struggles that he had. <laughs> you know, right. it makes it seem right. like there's a very deep personal thing. Like, you know, 
like the one I, 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 we have, I've had talked about OU podcasts where we talk about Texas. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have a lot of heart. It goes out to Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, that, that takes a lot of stuff to go through that and then trying to be sober now and going through those things. But that's the type of thing I can say that is a very deeply personal struggle. That's not, hey, I'm DM, I'm, you know, I'm sending DMs to someone who was abused trying to, you know, protect the abuser. It's, it's a different, much, much different thing. That's not a personal thing. That's inflicting harm on that. I mean, do our institutions owe it? Or is there, is the bar just so low? It doesn't matter. Oh, the bar is so low, but I do. I mean, I personally, yes, think they do owe it. Um, I think private educational institutions owe it too, but certainly it's kind of constantly surprising to me, which it shouldn't be, but I also feel like it's useful as a journalist to be constantly surprised. Um, so I'm holding on to it, but constantly surprised by like how not transparent so much of this is. Um, I think a lot like, you know, Georgia changed the law on open record stuff. It's really hard now to get mm-hmm. information um, because of that. There's a move in Florida. You can somehow like break off uh, Diana Moskovitz at defectors explain this to me, but like you can break off the athletic department and then call it some kind of private entity. There's a way now that there's a mechanism at which that public universities can use to protect their athletic departments from open records requests. Uh, that should like concern everyone. <laughs> like, what is yeah. happening there that they feel that they need to make these take these steps? Uh, and yeah, I mean, there is, you know, there is actually a federal law. There is Title IX that exists in order to say that educational institutions in particular uh, have to care about gendered violence because everyone under the law deserves equal access to education. That's a civil right that this country has decided and Title IX exists to make sure that uh, no one is discriminated against based on their gender or sex and gendered violence and falls under that because the idea is like, could you really go to class if the person who's harmed you? is in that class or you have to cross paths with them. I, I hear all the time, like from survivors who can't leave their dorm room because they're so worried. They're so scared about having to see the person that has harmed them. And so this is the idea, right? That like under Title IX, that's a form of discrimination and schools have to do something about it. So there is actually a federal law that says they have to take it seriously. Uh, whether or not they do is a whole other thing. I, so I have a job. Uh, and And so, yeah, I do think there should be way more transparency. It is kind of wild to me. We should all like pause all the time and really consider like how much schools do not have to tell us about all of this stuff. And they, you know, it's complicated how we pay people, uh, coaches in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know when Brian Kelly got hired at LSU, it's like a couple boosters basically paid most of his salary, which even that should worry people like who, who is his boss? Um, but (laughs) also it's like, he is the highest paid public employee technically Mm -hmm. in the state of Louisiana. And it can just, I mean, when we were doing our recent, when I was working with the team at USA today that reported on LSU and sexual assault, um, back in 2020, going into Mm -hmm. 2021, that led to Les Miles eventually getting fired uh, at Kansas. And Les Miles was fired at Kansas because of what he did at LSU in theory. He's also a bad football coach. But uh, the, the, the report that the university created 
like USA Today had to sue to get it mm -hmm. because the university had promised Les Miles that if a reporter ever found out about that report, that they would go all the way to court to protect that report from seeing the light of day. Uh, and they were wrong legally. They like legally couldn't do that. So yeah. when an institution like USA Today came along and sued them, they, you know, the law <laughs> demanded that they release it. And then Les Miles had to answer questions. And uh, obviously that led to him having to leave coaching, at least for now, we'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's such little transparency. And yes, I constantly think that like the more that the public knew about it, I don't know, you know, I think they would be more upset. <laughs> and that's kind of like why we don't know. A lot yeah, I mean, things. especially when it comes to college football and, you know, the silly season. Uh, I mean, I follow on I follow flight tracker season on Twitter. <laughs> I, I know when certain planes are leaving yeah. Norman. You know, it's like we everyone knows. I mean, this poor dude who was flying. I think the story is he was flying his he it was like his guy with his dog was flying to Baton Rouge and back from Norman, and everyone thought it was Lincoln Riley going to Baton Rouge. Oh, to talk. really? It's okay. like there's ended up stalking this guy because <laughs> we thought it's because but everyone digs for that yeah. stuff. Right. They don't dig for what exactly happened here mm -hmm. you're using your school your state issued phone i guess everyone used that way yeah to uh contact escorts uh while you're on recruiting trips um if you want to do that on your own dime your own money <laughs> like i've been i've had work travel and stuff like that you can't do i mean just you get fired for that immediately yeah. i mean and when people were talking about and i cannot pronounce the boston uh, celtics the previous head coach when people were like, oh, it's totally oh, fine. It was a consensual yeah. relationship. I'm like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like none yeah. of this matters. Yeah. Like you have to remove that from your situation. There's a hierarchy of power there mm -hmm. that even if she was there, there could have been a coercion and so on and so forth. Everyone seems to think maybe it's our bread and circus society has decided that as long as that part is okay, the mess around it doesn't seem to matter um oh yeah we absolutely don't think the mess matters as a society i think we keep proving it over and over again and then i was listening to uh so i i want to this is behind the paywall so whatever uh i follow josh pate on on twitter i think he's very funny very affable usually uh and he had some thoughts on the hugh freeze the auburn thing and i was like okay mm -hmm. let's let's cue this up he's usually got a good idea and the words that came out of his mouth is made me think oh you don't you don't understand how any of this works and basically for the people who didn't listen to that a little bit i'll sum it up uh basically all coaches are bad so they're not going to tell each other so you should just deal with it <laughs> and that kind of sucked to have him yeah it does kind of suck it's such a uh abdication of responsibility for the people who are paying attention i, I don't disagree with the with the sentiment uh yeah. so I mean, I wrote a book, like you said, at the beginning called Unsportsmanlike Conduct. It was about college football and sexual assault. And it was about, it wasn't an investigative book. It was like a synthesis, like an analysis mm -hmm. of all the things that I knew and sort of trying to take a, you know, what is that called? Like a bird's eye view of all of it from, yeah. from above. And, and sort of my overarching thing that I say all the time. So if you've ever heard me before, you've probably heard this, but like, I think the system is set up to encourage people to make bad choices. Um, and so I don't, that doesn't mean that these coaches don't have a responsibility for their choices and their behavior at all. That is not what I'm saying, 
but I do think that the way that it works, the money that's involved, like there's so, so much money. Uh, the fact that they have really shitty job security, uh, you can be fired very easily. And the fact that there is a 24 seven media on you, like there's all these things in place, um, that do encourage, it makes sense sadly when people do cover things up right um they want to keep their jobs they don't want to lose them uh they want they don't want the scrutiny they want to keep the money they want to keep all the boosters happy like blah 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 blah. they're also incredibly competitive people they've come up in the system Mm -hmm. um and so i do think that there is a way i don't i don't I don't care if people are are good or bad. Like I'm not interested in yeah, yeah. trying to determine if someone is good or bad. I'm, I'm much more interested in the choices that they make and whether or not that leads to harm. And that to me is, are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the system as college football exists, especially D one big money football, it is like, it is hard to find people who are making what I would consider good, healthy choices <laughs> around issues like, gendered violence um because why would they the system isn't set up for them to do that um and and so on some level i get that idea that like all coaches are quote unquote bad the system is bad uh so they're not operating in a in a in a space that really allows them to be good but that doesn't mean that we should just let them do whatever they want that like we as people in the media as fans that like we are we're just there like then we're just like oh well we're just consume this problematic thing mm-hmm. that we all agree is bad and is like is causing harm i mean the things that we've learned about hugh freeze from the time that he was like in a middle school to like the way that he treated a survivor at liberty like those are that's harm that people are yeah. reporting about him and so I get where that comes from, but I also just think it's lazy. I, I do, I, I think a lot of people react really defensively to the work that I do and the way that I talk about it because they don't want to feel implicated. We mm. are just individuals up against the system and a really powerful system. And like, what am I really supposed to do about it? Which is true. And I feel like that all the time I'm watching the world cup right now, excitedly <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, and yeah. I can, we could spend an hour talking about why it's bad, FIFA's bad, all that sort of stuff. Um, And so, but I think people get defensive because they feel implicated. And like the truth of it is I want you to feel implicated. I think you should feel a little bit bad. Like I think when you see Jeff Levy coaching on the sideline, like maybe you should feel a little bit bad. And I don't, I don't find that to be a problem, but people don't want to, they just want to watch football. And yeah, so it, they get mad at you for <laughs> suggesting that like true, true, there true. should, that there's any negative emotion. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's also the, the bigger, you know, systematic thing, even if you're trying to do something good, like I recycle, then you watch a documentary about how much individual recycling does is like, well, basically nothing. you're just wasting yeah. your time. <laughs> right, like, oh, yes. okay, great. Like this is, there's no way of getting ahead. You're just existing in this series yeah, of systems. You're just an individual. Whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, but the thing that really resonates in my mind with these sort of cases is um, this was a this was a, a phrase from uh, 
one of the Ringer podcast uh, episodes where they're talking about Star Wars. So Go with <laughs> hold it. on I love with Star me. Wars. Uh, but basically it was when Luke is holding to Vader and they're like, oh man, and they basically boil it down to the powerful empathize with the powerful. You know, mm-hmm. Vader, Darth Vader had destroyed entire planets, you know, he's space Hitler, and it's like, oh, no, but he changed at the end. That doesn't mean he didn't do all those things. So, yeah. you know, he's still not bad. So it's it's usually when this stuff happens is that you see there was like this little backlash to people being angry at, at Hugh Freeze. It's almost like people get more angry, like you said, at somebody shining the spotlight on the thing than the thing that happened is in yes in, how often do you run into that wall just oh. in your your you know professional life or daily life trying to you know i don't know because you don't want to be the like some people tweet back oh wow you must be fun at parties it's like well yes i am but i can still yeah, get no i'm actually <laughs> not yeah i try not to tell people at parties what i do is honestly true the um because the stuff i do is not fun it is not it is not fun at parties <laughs> to talk about this stuff <laughs> uh and i will say the one nice thing about people now knowing that this is what I do most it's not always true of course like Mm -hmm. uh but a lot of my friends at this like most people in my immediate universe know I do this so like they just like we don't talk about this (laughs) like no one makes rape jokes around me like I've sort of insulated now in a way that's actually wonderful um but yeah yeah no I'm not fun on this topic I'm not a fun person to talk about this with i mean i don't watch college football anymore because i was like bumming my own self out like i used to be a huge fan uh the story i always tell is that like both my parents went to florida state is the only college i applied to because i only wanted to go to florida state like that was to watch football and i did and we won the national championship when i was there and i went to the national championship game where we won like and now i couldn't even tell you the name of the coach um but that's because like i was bumming myself out with the amount of stuff that i that i knew about mainly coaches uh on the sidelines and um yeah so i anytime that i'm we're gonna i mean at this point i have a lot of really good filters on social media i so i just have like sort of built it where i don't have to see much of it anymore Mm -hmm. um but one thing i had to get used to in this job which was not easy for me it's still not easy for me but i is that there are just people who hate me that don't know me at all um simply because other reporting that i've done um and that's sadly that's just part of the job like when i published on sportsmanlike conduct i was so nervous to write a book on this topic even though at that point like baylor my friend dan solomon and i wrote the first big thing about baylor for texas monthly back in august of 2015 my book came out a year later so i had already you know i was known for this beach, but I'm still nervous. And then it, what I learned very quickly was that um, people don't read books. <laughs> and so it's very different when you publish a piece that's like about LSU or about the Dallas Mavericks or about a very specific, about Baylor, whatever. The people who identify with that sports team, they are in their emotions and it's easier for them to sort of come after you. Uh, and get mad at you but i mean i get it all the time now just from like if i tweet like if i put a tweet out i'm like oh no this is gonna i have to prepare for the fans of that school to get mad at me for simply tweeting about it um which is always on some level funny because they'll be like you only 
you know, if you cared about this and you'd care about this case. And I was like, dude, you've come to the raw. Like I care about all the cases. <laughs> like I literally am the saddest encyclopedia you've ever met. So uh, I don't know. I've just gotten used to it, but yeah, it is part of the job. Yeah. The, the stuff that's, I mean, is there, is there a light, is there a way for college football or college sports in general, as we see with the gym, uh, the gymnasts uh, stuff in Michigan State, I believe, uh, and all that type of stuff, and Michigan as well, I believe, uh, from in the past and everything, it's more than just college football, it is college itself. Is there a way, do you see a path ahead is it, I know it's probably threading the needle to a certain degree to kind of get this done, but is there a path ahead for these sports to absolve themselves of this uh, or, or maybe repent for these sins to a certain degree and come out on the other side as a cleaner, maybe, maybe cleaner is the wrong word, but as a more sanitized way of doing this because they are taking care, they are following Title IX, they are doing this stuff. Is, is it just simple as follow Title IX, <laughs> but it's well, really difficult to do? No, I mean, that could be like a whole other discussion. I mean, Title IX is, I was just talking to someone about this. Like, I am really glad it exists. I will never say that like Title IX should not exist. Uh, I am a, I have benefited greatly from the existence of Title IX. Uh, but when it comes to both sports and gendered violence, there are tons of ways that it needs to be improved. Um, schools are still working out how they should be complying under Title IX for gendered violence. And I will just say that it is a compliance thing. Like a lot of survivors will go to Title IX thinking they're going to get an advocate. And really the point of a Title IX person is to comply with the law. And sometimes that allows them to be an advocate, but sometimes that means they have to check boxes in order to not yeah. get in trouble. And that can feel like a very cold process. Um, so anyway, I could, I could critique, uh, that plenty, but I don't, I, I think this is the hardest question always to answer. Um, things feel better than now than they did five, six, seven years yeah, ago. Sure. Um, the way we talk about it, it's not great. I mean, there's still, it's still hard for me, uh, when like there was just the, um, who was the kicker for the Buffalo Bills at matt what's his name Who is uh, matt, that? Uh, pat mcafee no, no. matt ariza maybe or, uh, or is, anyway. oh that guy the punter the punter yes, yes. And yeah so, arizona state yeah yeah or, i feel like it was somewhere in california uh, san diego state san diego state yeah. he was just not the da decided not to bring charges and mm -hmm. like the discussion around it was i could barely stand it um because most people having it don't have any sense of they're and why would they? They don't have like a good understanding of how the courts work, how charges happen, how rarely these cases go to court, how rarely there's ever a conviction. Um, I personally am not invested in that. I'm not invested in the mm -hmm. criminal punishment system in general because of it's got a lot of flaws. Um, it's not, there's something great about gender violence, but it, it almost hurts me to watch people have conversations around this stuff because there's just so much bad information that still exists. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think, I mean, Brenda Tracy, who's a survivor, yes, yeah. she was gang raped at Oregon State many years ago and has a organization now called Set the Expectation. And Brenda has spent years now going to athletic departments and talking to not just the player, not just the athletes, but also the staffs and really challenging them 
uh, to change like how the culture, it's really hard to change culture, especially within a sport and a sporting space. Um, again, with all this money and it's already got a built in culture, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I commend her. Like, I think what she does is remarkable. And I do feel like that is a path forward. Like there are ways to do it. Um, it's interesting there, uh, oh, futures without violence is an organization and they have this thing called coaching boys into men. And it is, this, I don't know if it still exists. Honestly, I'd have to go look, but a few years ago, I wrote a piece where about it because it was like trying to incorporate issue, like discussions of consent, things around gender violence. It, like they built this whole thing for coaches because like, why would these coaches know how to talk about this with their players? So like, this is how you're going to do it after, after practice. You're going to sit, you know, you're going to sit them down. I, I couldn't recreate the curriculum if I tried, but they built it into the, the season, right? Like, so it'd be a consistent thing that the coaches would do across the season. Um, and I were, and I wrote a piece about this for vice sports and I talked to someone at futures without violence about this. And I, and I asked him like, how effective is this? And he said, well, when the coaches care and they like come yeah. to us and they want to do this, it's remarkably effective. If a coach has to be forced to do this, it is not right because the players understand, um, where it's coming from. And so there's hope in that, that like a coach can do it right. If they, if they care and they want to, it is totally possible. And there are amazing resources that exist, uh, to help them along the way. If they don't want to, who's going to make them, you know? And like, yeah. if they're forced into it, would that really be effective? I don't know. Um, you know, it was interesting. Sorry, I could, I'm just a talker, but no, go for it. In the state of Texas, after Baylor, there was a lot of reckoning. Like, we have new laws. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've always wanted to write about this, and I just never, I'm a freelance journalist. Like, I can't always take up everything that I want to. But I found out that the Texas State High School Coaches Association, I think that's the right name, that they, privately funded to create um oh what was it called i had it on I, I was gonna write about it but they created curriculum about gendered violence to show to athletes in high school because they had after baylor and the sort of cultural discussion within the state they had athletes coming to them wanting to talk about it and they were like we don't know how like this is who taught no one ever taught us and so they privately fundraised and created what I would like, I watched all of it. Like it was, it was very good. I don't know how, I, like, I wanted to write a piece that was like, how often is it used? Do the students get it? You know, like, does it work? Um, but you see these moments where like that, the Texas state high school association, I was of coaches. I was like, who would think that that group would be like out here privately fundraising for good curriculum on gendered violence discussions among high school athletes. But they did because they could tell that they weren't equipped to do it and their students wanted to know about it. So it's out there, like the potential is real, but it's like, how do we, we're up against the sort of big money system that doesn't care about these things. And even just like, you're mentioning that and I, I, will, I will applaud, you know, the Texas High School uh, Coaching Association, which I uh, had, had no idea they had done that. But at the same time, and I know this is individual school, individual district, you know, Mount Vernon, who, which is an hour and a half oh, from yeah. where I grew up in Hugo, Oklahoma, uh, hired Art Browse. Yeah, <laughs> to oh, coach absolutely. High school kids, not even, not even like halfway yes. adults, 
actual children. Uh, and like I watched the, you know, they, was that during COVID that all that happened? I can't remember yes. now. Cause yeah. I feel like they live streamed the vote. And like, I remember, like, I think I watched these people justify why they were going to hire him. And obviously they did. And he was fine. It, it does seem strange that that is the, the bridge too far. What happened with art, I mean, obviously it's become the bridge too far there. And you still have people, like the, the, here's the biggest thing about Jeff Lebry that, that just bothers me the most. I can I can be okay, maybe not be okay, but like just being on the staff, I just well, maybe he didn't know this and this, you know, he knew, you know, I remember when the whole Joe Paul thing was happening, Barry Switzer was on TV and he said, if a head coach doesn't know that's happening, it's like, I, he's like, I'll just be surprised. The head coach knows everything that's happening. There is no, oh, I didn't know yeah. my defensive coordinator for 20 years was raping <laughs> you know, right. young men. Uh, like you knew you were complicit. You decided to turn a blind eye to it, whatever. But like Jeff Lebby, again, this, I'm, uh, there's some fans on here is not going to like me, <laughs> my own, you know, the, the audience I'm speaking to. I mean, he was his family because he married Art Bryles, daughter. They're the ones who came up with the cab t-shirts. I mean, the Coach Art Bryles, hashtag Coach Art Bryles t-shirt. I mean, they were trying to get him reinstated to a certain way and rallying support to this man. Uh, so it's one thing to say, oh, a mistake was made. Here's how I've learned about it. These coaches never do that. They always they double do down Yeah, <laughs> and that's... just walk right back into it. And that's the part yeah. that, like, especially Hugh Freeze, and I cannot remember the, the, the Twitter people who I follow, uh, the one who do a, a vacation Bible school podcast. Uh, it, it's who freezes is draping himself with the allure oh, yeah. of Christianity to say, Oh, they're attacking me because of my religion. Right. Instead Which of, of course it's they're attacking that. me because of what I've done. <laughs> right. Right. And that works for enough people. So they'll do it. I mean, I think this is always like the frustration with the people who are, you know, second chances, like, I mean, I, yeah. the things I hear just like constantly, and I'm not against second chances like at all, but I do think you have to show that you have in some way learned something and grown from it uh, and even apologized for the harm that you've done in the past. Uh, and that it just doesn't happen. That's not part of the actual pattern. So we're just supposed to like continually give people second chances without any of the work being done. And again, I will just like reiterate that the system is set up for them to make not great choices, to make harmful choices, or to turn, as you said, like to turn away from the harm that they see being done. And so if you, if someone cannot articulate how they've learned from an experience where yeah. we have shown that there was harm done and that they played a real, like they were there uh, for it, then what have they, what have they earned? Um, and we should be skeptical of them and we should be concerned about what that means for the culture they're creating and the new place that they've gone. And it's also just, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how much he's okay. So it turns out that, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze, again, we're talking about second chances and again, I'm just doing very quick Google research. So sure. maybe <laughs> please don't do this. Uh, Hugh Freeze made $4.7 million at, uh, at Ole Miss. And then his, you know, his, oh no, he's been cast to the outlands was making just shy of $5 million coaching at Liberty. So did he, was there ever a step down financially? No, making more money a year than would take me 20 years to make or however, you know, however yeah. all that's gonna yeah. work out. There, the, and people are preaching, oh, second chances, second chances. He, 
not only already had a second chance, he had an easier job making, I mean, maybe second opportunity is what they're asking for. I mean, there was no lack of chances for him. No. He was hired and brought in and paid the exact same amount of money he was making at Ole Miss than at Liberty. Now he's making even more money. There was no, it's a system that does not allow, as you said, to a certain degree there, it doesn't allow someone, it makes it very difficult for them to always make good decisions, but also doesn't allow people, once you're in the fraternity, you're it, in. you in it. It is, it is, it is wild. everyone I mean, hold to get to hold it together. The ultimate example for me, and I don't know where he is right now. I feel like he's on a staff though. DJ Durkin, he's somebody. He's just, he's on some A&M. staff somewhere. A and M. Oh, that's right, because he works yeah. for Jimbo. That's right. Yeah. One of my other yeah, I know <laughs> favorites. Ran a dude to death. <laughs> the fact and... that DJ Durkin is still working in college football should be the great shame of anyone who cares about the sport. Like that. That to me is beyond. I. Jordan McNair died and multiple reports pinned like he it was a preventable death. They could have saved him uh, a child teenager and they didn't. And he on top of that, there was all the issues with culture on that team in Maryland uh, that is not no one's denying any of that. And yet you know, like you said, I mean, there is a fraternity like Saban wrapped that man in a cloak and now mm-hmm. he's at AM. And that to me, I just think about that family and every, I mean, like I want to cry right now just thinking about that family and how, like how, like what do you actually have to do? I mean, you have to be Art Bryles. I got, I like, and I don't even yeah. understand. I cannot stress enough how much I know <laughs> about Baylor. Um, I wish I like know too much and I wish I didn't know as much as I did. Um, I spent years of my life thinking about that school and that program. And I don't think that he has earned a second chance based on all the things that we've already talked Mm -hmm. about, about what you have to do in order to earn one. Uh, But it does feel like he is now the scapegoat for all the other issues within college. Like we took care of it. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't want to say that we've been unfair or that the sport has been unfair to him because I think there are consequences for choices that were made and I'm fine with that. But yeah, it does feel like, like because he was cast out of the fraternity, then we're good now. It's, it's really a strange dynamic. And I'm not convinced that Ian McCall won't just hire him at Liberty. Um, yeah. Like I, you know, uh, so Anyway, it is it is really interesting to me how hard it is. You basically have to be a bad co- like you have to be bad on the field. Yeah, that's yeah, because then you don't you don't you don't get yeah because they the, the schools make themselves so much money because yes. even like talking about DJ, DJ was reinstated by the school system of Maryland. It yeah. only took you know you know the students and all that kind of stuff protesting to then get him fired because like Maryland yeah. was ready to like okay cool the kid died but yeah. what are you gonna do hands uh, right. it's already happened <laughs> right and, and it's the continue yeah. that stuff just seems amazing but that is a really good point I never quite thought about it's like they lumped all their sins onto and I'll also add Joe Paul into that they lumped all the Joe Paul on the art and said those were the two bad ones are you yeah. happy now <laughs> yeah I mean like Les <laughs> you know, Miles got Penn State and they nuked Baylor yeah. And then I mean, even let's... then, people were upset in NCAA saying, well, you didn't have the authority to do that. 
actually. And they had to, yeah. re, had to roll back all that stuff. Yeah, they rolled back Penn State. On technicalities. And then, like, I wrote about this for the LA Times, but when the NCAA, what is it, the Committee on Infractions or whatever yeah, it's called, yeah. uh, came out with their saying they were not going to punish Baylor, uh, I knew that was coming. I Like, I knew. I knew it was coming. I had studied this more than anyone else, probably, I would say. I knew that there was not a rule to break. I wrote about this in Unsportsmanlike Conduct in 2016. Like, I knew that there was not anything for them to punish Baylor. Mm -hmm. But I had asked the NCAA so many times about this, and you just can't get an answer. Like, talk about a stressful thing is trying to get the NCAA to answer a question about bureaucracy and, and whatever. <laughs> but um, it meant something to me that the committee was like, we don't have any rules. There is nothing here to break. Um, that was very powerful for me to see someone within the NCAA admit that like, we don't really do anything about gendered violence. We have not, we think what happened at Baylor was bad and people did bad things, but we can't punish them as the rules are written. Um, and so like, you don't even have that, like there's not, that doesn't even exist. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm out here saying that our trials should get a new job. I'm absolutely, you know, I don't, whatever about that. I don't have, you know, it is what it is, but I do, you know, when Les Miles got fired, it, you know, sure. They could say that there was some kind of like ethical thing happening, but he also had been a bad coach. Um, yeah. It gave Kansas an excuse to, to get rid of them, yes. but then it became a little point talking about Kansas being like, well, why did you guys not know about this when you hired this man for millions of dollars? Right. <laughs> did right. they know about it and all that type of stuff as well? You know, it, it's, it's very strange how sometimes we get as a population get very tied up on where every cent and dollar goes. But other things, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. As long as so-and-so running back gets five yards off the left side, I'm happy. Yes, yes. And like one of the things that I, you know, because I'm mainly here to talk about gender violence because that's what I'm mm -hmm. an expert on. But like I liked Charlie Strong a lot when he was at UT. Yeah. And when it was clear that they were going to get rid of him, but he was sort of fighting for his life, like right at the end of that season. And I can't remember the running back's name, so I apologize for that. But there was a game right at the end um, of his tenure what was what was where the running back ran more plays in that game than any running back had run in like 20 years or something. Um, because that was the best player on the offensive side of the ball for Texas. And Charlie Strong was trying to keep his job. And the running back like cried when the game was over, knowing that he had failed to help Charlie Strong keep his job. And like, I don't like that either. I don't feel good about that. I that is dangerous stuff uh, to have someone run the ball as much as strong had that guy run the ball in that game. There's a reason that it had been so long since a running back had put those kind of attempts um, in a game. Cause you just don't do it. Cause you know, but like he was trying to save his job. And so I yeah. think he was making choices. He normally that most coaches normally wouldn't make in that moment. Um, and I, can critique that, but I can also understand that. And, and I, be, I believe, I think you just kind of live in that space as a Dante Foreman. Uh, yeah, that's yes. right. I remember yeah. that too. Cause I remember that year, uh, when he lost to Kansas and the guys, the, uh, that the reporters like, do you know, you know what this does to your job? And he kind of, he's trying to talk and then Charlie Strong's like, yeah, I know exactly what's about to happen. And yeah, 
you know, and I just, my you know, and that's at that, that point in time, I think maybe there was some stuff at USF when he was there around mm -hmm. gendered violence. It wasn't good. If my memory serves, um, none of these guys are, you know, I don't want to hold any of them up as some exemplar. No, no, you don't but, want to do that. But at the, anyway, that's all to say that I think it isn't just around gendered violence that I think these guys are making often choices that are not are not great like it's it's a bad system in my opinion yeah. which is part of why i personally can't really watch it anymore um that's not you know yeah that's not a I mean, judgment on people who do because like i said i'm not here watching the world cup and yeah it, it, it's it's I, i'm gonna try to i'll try to we'll do a couple more things i'll wrap up so you can get back to the world cup no <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it, it does suck you were talking about the usf thing and that made me remember the, the rumors oh, and i do have stuff to go everyone and, like, does I'm I do have to go in like three minutes. Got you. We'll get okay. you out of here. Uh, okay. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. This I'm is so kind sorry. of a slapdash. No, no, no. <laughs> this is this. It's just all about conversations. Uh, we're we're slapdashing this uh, the ending on here. Uh, Jessica Luther uh, had a wonderful time to have a good conversation about this stuff, the frustrations around it. Uh, I would argue, I would implore everyone who listens to this to just give thought to why you're doing stuff, how you're doing it, have intention into the thoughts and decisions that you make and make sure that what you're doing, you're doing it with best intentions as possible and understand that even though the system could be corrupt and could be broken, you yourself don't have to feed into it as much in that way. There are two ways of looking at these things. One is guilt, one is shame. You can be, you can feel guilt to the decisions you're making, You, uh, which is a normal healthy thing, but don't feel shame as a person because just because you're an OU fan or an Auburn fan or something doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no. you don't want to have that on there. Uh, no. Sports fandoms have, I was an OU fan, a lot of OSU people are like, you support Joe Mixon. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> he punched a girl in the face. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't make you a different person. Uh, but anyway, check out Jessica Luther. She's on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? I forgot. Jessica W. Luther. That's my handle, like on all the socials. Check her out. She's on a cool podcast. Uh, Burn it all down. Yeah, we're on hiatus right now, but we have an amazing back catalog so awesome uh and then also check out our two books that mentioned off the top of this something's happening i have no idea what's happening uh anyway <laughs> we're getting out of here guys uh thank you so much we follow yeah thanks board. for having me and for last thing how we always end all these things boomer <laughs> <laughs>